Welcome to Ministers Talking Sh**, a weekly program where Rev Briz and Rev Z and their guests chat about current affairs, world events, spiritual principles, and any old sh** they want to talk about. Based on the new thought philosophy and ancient wisdoms, Ministers Talking Sh** shares a visionary perspective of the evolving spiral called spiritual living. Join us each week as we explore the emerging paradigm of life on planet Earth and beyond. And good morning, dear ones. Rev Briz with you over here. And Rev Z right here. Yeah, and Rev Mark Gilbert is the special guest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is Ministers Talking Shit. Happens every Friday morning here at 7 a.m. on the Mountain Time Zone. We're so <clears throat> grateful that you are with us. And uh, I got to say, I was uh, I was just listening to our intro there and that line about uh, discussing the evolving spiral. Uh, so get ready, folks. We're discussing an evolving spiral today, uh, and, it, and it's called football. <laughs> <laughs> I want to share with everybody how this kind of happened. So we're sitting around for the last half hour talking about the news and what's going on in the world. And then about 10 minutes ago, Marcos, yeah, but what about the Broncos? So uh, tell us, Mark, how did you bring that into the conversation this morning? <laughs> well, we were, you know, simply talking about what's what's newsworthy. And yes, I'm following all the other news in a general level and could have talked about those topics. But but I just jokingly was said, but the big thing I've been following is the Sean Payton signing with the Broncos and their new coach who's going to fix, you know, Russell Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> it's everywhere you go if you live in the Denver area. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> Yes, it is. I will say I did see the story last yesterday evening. Um, I haven't read it. I'm I'm the Broncos, you know, kind of like pseudo fan or in this group. Uh, El Zio usually holds the football news for us. So, uh, Z, what do you know? Well, you it, 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 there's a mouthful going on uh, because, of course, you know, I'll start off with we know from a spiritual perspective that past performance does not predict future outcomes, right? And however, in the football arena, they seem to think that always holds true. So we, so we've gone out and paid Sean Payton, who I happen to like, a lot of money to come, give up some draft choices for him to come in and uh, ideally build a winning team. Um, and so we gave, you know, it, 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 and, and as that conversation evolved, we started talking about the we said high school, but really it's middle school to, to college or to put the professional pipeline, not only of football, but of sports in general, what that means, how it affects the economy, the society, people's thought. So it, there's a lot to unpack here, but all I have to say is go Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Z, you, you uh, made me think of something I saw. I was watching a sports talk program and I must confess, occasionally I watch these things when I'm, as a means of relaxation. And my wife kids me and says, aren't they just saying the same damn thing over and over about the, and I say, yeah, but I enjoy it, you know, yes. Yes. <laughs> but there was one guy who was talking about the hiring of Sean Payton and how his, his leadership skills and abilities and, and, and what struck me, and this is a spirit, this is a spiritual concept recognition of what he was talking about is that he said, yes, he knows the X's and the O's how to run the plays and all of that. 
but he's also about culture building and about setting in the minds of the players an expectation that they can win. Mm -hmm. He said that's one of the most important aspects of any coach is not only their their mental acumen regarding the plays that they run and and positioning the players in the right way, but it's also elevating that consciousness of the individual players to believe that they can win and how important that is. And that's, you know, I think a lesson for all of us. You know, we've also, you know, even if we don't play football, we work in some other field where we are either the manager leader or we're the subordinate in some cases. But that position is irrelevant except for the fact that the you know each each person has a role to set for the expectations for the success of that of that endeavor whatever it may be you know from you know housekeeping to to uh retail to you know working in an office you know you all have goals and and uh and objectives and if you think you can make them you'll make them and if you think you can't you're not going to and that's a, a basic principle a new thought well, and, and, you know, the good thing you bring up there, Mark, uh, the thing that popped in my mind as you say that, you know, how often have we heard the metaphor of football being, or the game of football, rather, being a metaphor for life, right? Mm-hmm. Where we talk about the team aspect of it, the individual responsibility of it, the, the self-care of it, uh, all these different aspects of, of that game, um, really kind of maps out the game of life and 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 the thing and the thing that you brought up about Peyton that I think is great I forget the name there was a movie not too long ago about Sean Payton right. and it talked about uh in my mind character building because him and his wife were 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 divorced and he had a son and shows how he worked through all of that how when he got fired and came back and you know Basically, again, showing that life unfolds in sometimes very unexpected ways, but you can take the lessons learned from sport and use them to build character, to to highlight uh, shortcomings and how to overcome them. All those things you said, and I think that's one, you know, having him having had that experience, I think he'll be able to come into the team, especially with, with the season they had last year and say, hey, you know, that's a lesson. Let's learn from it. Let's move forward. Yeah. I, you know, I like what you just said about uh, the teamwork piece, too, because that's another lesson for us to take from from football is the sense that, you know, there's a sense that we're individuals, that we have to accomplish great and wonderful things ourselves. And and when you see somebody come in and try to do it all themselves on a football field, uh, they, they he may have some degree of success, but the team itself doesn't. And so if, you know, there's that thing about raising, floating all boats higher. Yes, yes. I think what you have to sometimes do is subjugate yourself a little bit to the desires and growth of the team. And so I think as we look out and, and, you know, any of the news stories we talk about these days, they're often peppered with the concept that one person wanted to get ahead of other people. And in that created an inequity that also had a detrimental effect to us. So what that means for our, our upward spiral of the evolution is that we need to find a way to yes be our unique selves but also in a way that supports the growth of everyone and raises all boats at the same time yeah, and, and that's the successful teams on the football and, field. and you and one, one quick thing robert you see me chomping at the bit over here because you, you you you're not talking about russell wilson coming in here to be the savior and i'll just shut up right there <laughs> well that's i'm I, I'm, I'm imagining 
my ultimate uh, car garage. I bought a high-priced sports car, but I didn't know how to drive it, and it broke down. <laughs> and it, and it's been a, now I'm hiring a really high-priced mechanic to come in and fix my high-priced sports car because I can't get any of my other cars out of the garage because the sports car is blocking the, the entrance. Yeah. Yeah. My whole, yeah. my whole, and, and that does seem to be what happened. Like, we don't know what's in anybody's head, but you know, if Russell Wilson or anybody's watching that knows Russell, Hey, tell him we'd love to have him on the show to tell our, his side of the story. But it would appear the Broncos are making a lot of major financial investments which is a fairly historic way the Broncos go about it. And my experience with them is they like to spend money before they know that the product's going to actually produce. Um, well, and that's pretty much the whole league, really. Um, because, you know, how many times have we seen a play? I mean, we've had those who've excelled, but how many times have we seen players at the last contract year just excel, right? to get a better contract and then they move to the new team and they don't produce the same as previously, you know, and, and some people say, well, partly they were working that way and they got that kind of production because they was hungry. Right. Mm -hmm. Once you, once you fed them, we all know what happened on Thanksgiving and Christmas when you get your belly full yeah, you want to go, you want to sit down and, and watch football. <laughs> and so that's what I think some of that is, is, is what happened there. Yeah, you know, back to a point you were making earlier about the whole uh, pipeline from uh, uh, high school to college to to the pros. I mean, there is an expectation about, the, especially about the players who are uh, really have the abilities to play and, and have practiced and developed their skills. That we have now this major celebration, not only of the draft day in the NFL where they're elevating, they're graduating from college and moving to the NFL, but now, like this past week, the the graduation of high school to the college with the signing days that uh, that the colleges have and, and announcements of the and newsworthiness of this whole movement and so we sort of see this sh this thing where we're we're taking our young men and, and moving them along and uh you know and i think what that paints that uh, a bigger thing and i also heard something recently about the fact that you know nfl if you put some football game on Americans are going to watch it. That's the highest level of, you know, of, of things on TV these days where the other sports are just there. They're almost uh, not non-existent. You know, that, that, that there's it's such a disparity between uh, the interest in football and the interest in baseball, hockey or basketball in this mm -hmm. country. And, and I, I always wonder, what does that mean for us? What you know, there's a there's there's some greater message that is unfolding by now we could talk about the capitalistic aspects of this and the fact that although capitalism does wonders for us there's some aspects of getting out of whack in terms of income inequality and things of that nature that go on with this but there's also a greater message about why why football is the it captures our attention at such a great level and and i know at some level it's serving some purpose for that upward spiral of our evolution uh, you know, part of it could be the, uh, you know, the fact sometimes I think it's because we're we see these young men get hurt and it opens our hearts like the the, the Mar Hamlin situation with Buffalo and and, and the Amer American outpouring of, of love and care for this this young man who got hurt. And and, I, and that's just wonderful to see it. Is that what we're, is it doing or is there 
you know, something more at play. But I, I don't know. I don't have a handle on it. But I think there's a spiritual purpose for football that I can't quite see yet. Well, in a lot of ways, it's it replaces church. That's true. That's it really, it, I've seen this for a long, long time. It really does. In you know, your Sunday best used to be a nice suit and tie, and now it's the the jersey of your home team's quarterback. And um, and we preach it from the pulpit at times. And we, as you said, I can't think of a, a religious science or new thought community that hasn't used football as an analogy for life in in a sermon somewhere. Um, you're allowed to pretty much get away with almost anything. We get together and party and celebrate and eat food together. And you don't even have to wait till after it's over to eat food together with football. Yeah. You can eat food right away when you get there. So. Yeah, we, and we humans have a, have a desire for ritual. Yeah. There is a whole body of ritual put around, you know, from the tailgating yeah. to, the, the, to the game to the you know, and every aspect of the game itself. And, you know, we can look at that, you know, getting together, even if you don't go to the game, you know, get, getting your potato chips and your beer out and, and all the other, the bowl of food on the table in front of you, you know, that's ritualistic stuff that we, we want to do the same, have this little orderly thing while we go through this process. And, you know, and, and, it is you know I think also, you know, you, you bring up a good point there, both of you guys in terms of, of the draw, if you will, to football, um, and I think, you know, some people have made the analogy. It's it's maybe kind of negative that it's the modern day gladiator, right? Mm -hmm. um, and and you know that's a path you could go down. There's the other part of it that says, you know, uh, people live vicariously through these these athletes. So either whether you were a past athlete or whether you aspired to be one when you were younger, and so you can vicariously live out your whatever is through that you know avenue of that person um and, and and i think the heart of what 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 i what i hear us talking about in that regard is it is a rallying point it is a point for people to come together around a common cause people will debate whether this is a good cause or not i mean that's that's a whole nother story but but it does bring i mean you can like when Super Bowl happens, you can go to a, a, a stadium, I mean, a bar here in Denver. You will have a group of people from Philadelphia and Pennsylvania in that bar. And you'll have a group of people from Kansas, uh, you know, the whole state of Kansas. And I never met this guy, but we are Eagles fans. And so I'm going to buy you a drink. You're going to buy me nachos. And 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 there's a, there's a camaraderie that takes place there around that mm -hmm. common thing, which I think is an interesting phenomenon to – to go down the path on. You know, I was in a public setting when the Broncos won their first Super Bowl. They had we had a uh, uh, watch party down at the Paramount Theater, and we had like two thousand people in there. and And I remember the feeling of being in a crowd when they won that game, and the euphoria of that moment that of the collective. And and there is, and I, you hit on a really central point, Z, is that there's this. It breaks down a sense of, of separation into a sense of unity and feeds something right. when we are for a common purpose. And, and the same thing can exist when we've had those moments of great defeat, when uh, we all suffered the, 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 the pangs of anguish over not, you know, climbing the mountain in some sports event. So there is some sort of uh, human need for those collective feelings outside of us, you know, and that feeds back to our spiritual concepts is that we 
we know that ultimately on our evolutionary journey, we're moving towards greater and greater awareness of our oneness to all it is. And we're living that, you know, in a, in a degree by our collective focus and intention and, and experience of, of sports. You know, it, it maybe used to be done a lot by battles and wars and maybe through the gladiator stuff that you were mentioning. But there's always been something that we had to focus on. You know, there was a, a many years ago when I was a, a, a manager with the government, the uh, I remember one of my staff saying the only way we were trying to do team building exercises. And the guy said the only way we could build a team really was to get us to all focus on a common enemy. And I, and I didn't like it at the time, but I thought about it after he said that. And I thought, well, there is a degree of of truth in that is that sometimes having an external something that I want to overcome does mm -hmm. give us a degree of unity. And I, which makes me think about uh, Reagan back when he went to the UN and made that famous comment about, he felt like sometimes the only way humans on earth would come together is if somebody, if an alien presence came down and attacked earth, then that would all be the only way we would get united. And, and it's the, but it's the same idea is that we need something out there to focus negativity towards to bring us into a sense of unity. Where I wonder about is how can we move forward without that negative on the other? How can we bring the sense of unity without having to have an external other that we're, we're expressing or, or feeling negative uh, desires towards? Yeah, you know, and I think I think it's, it's done. One th Robert and I were talking the other day about something about, you know, languaging, right? And, and unfortunately, because we have had, we, we've uh, bought into this duality, not dualism, but duality, and we think it's either one thing or another. Now, we could all easily put that thing as a, as a challenge to the collective group. There's a challenge for us to solve homelessness. That, that could be an adversary, if you will, or a challenge mm -hmm. that we could all group around. Um, but when we put it as an enemy, we get we we I feel that we get this antagonistic thing because everybody may not think that thing is an enemy. Um, yeah. You know you now now you now you find a reason for me to want to watch football. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> so the NFL every year, right? The month of October, they all wear pink shoelaces and pink gloves, and they all talk about Susan G. Coleman and breast cancer. Mm -hmm. I rarely see any stories about what good that's done, to be truthful. I see lots of stories about the fact that it's happening, but not very many about that it, what has been accomplished, where the money's going to, how much is actually being raised by this, or is this just a way to get people to buy pink gloves and pink sports cleats? So what if the NFL did take on, what if all major sports uh, leagues, the NBA, the NFL, hockey, baseball, rugby. Talked to somebody the other day. They said they went to a rugby game and it looked like it was the NFL from the nineteen nineteen from the nineteen twenties. It was so rough and tumble and everybody pounding on each other. What if all these different leagues picked a social cause and their entire every every game is a highlight not only of the sports feats but how the this league clean is cleaning up the homeless the unhoused 
how this league is fighting uh is fighting drug abuse in our streets how this league is fighting uh gun violence in our streets and the nhl last year gave four billion dollars in this way this way this way and this way to combat gun violence and each sport gets a social ill and then i'd be interested in watching who beats who because then it doesn't matter that somebody beats somebody it matters that these two cities came together to battle it out for a little bit extra of the prize pool to support to solve homelessness in their in their city in their region well, well you know one thing uh, uh during the super bowl you will see because that a lot of that is going on and during the super bowl what you will see which is why i love it when they start the whole week because it'll last the whole week they'll start highlighting players who've overcome things and how they set up like you you take lamar hamlet right he started a foundation to help educate kids before he got to the NFL. He started this even before he got there. And once he got hurt, and his goal was only a couple hundred thousand dollars. Once he got hurt, I think overnight he went to like two, three million dollars overnight for that foundation. And God knows what it is now. And so what what happens is, and I know for a fact, because I, I know and I've had relatives play in the NFL, that they have all kinds of foundations and stuff like that going on, but it never gets publicized. When you look at the Black Lives Matter, after that, every team in the league put stop racism or something on the back of the mm-hmm. helmet, mm-hmm. love and peace. So it, it I think... From my perspective, what we have to begin to do is uh, uh, what that song by Jimmy the Cricket accentuate the positive and 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 eliminate the negative or, or whatever that thing was that verse was because we know that especially if we're talking about spiral dynamics, there's always a spectrum of things or there's always a, a revolution of things over 360 degrees. And depending on what degree you at, you're going to act a certain way, do a certain thing. But because the revolution don't stop, your opinion will change somewhere when you move around that circle. And so I think it's at sports is a great way for that. You can have one. I mean, a few years ago, Denver won the Super Bowl. This year, we were probably the worst team in the league almost. And now the revolution will start turning again. And so I think from a spiritual perspective, when we look at this, well, we understand that life is a spiral, that there is no steady state. We can look at the so-called shortfalls and the so-called high moments and understand, you know, it has come to pass. It has not come to stay. Yeah, you know, part of you know, what, what you were talking about, uh, Robert, uh, I, I agree. There's been some aspect of the NFL and other sports taking on or putting doing baby steps in the direction of of that, you know, NFL has their Walter Payton Man of the Year. It's just yep. somebody from every team who has done most to support community work. There's the, you know, as, as LZ is talking about the, uh, the all of them having the the statements on the back of their helmets, and so much to to fight racism has been done in terms of wording. There's the breast cancer stuff, etc. But and then they do sort of tout so much money was raised towards this and spent towards, but we don't ever know what the outcome. Did it, you know? We hear those figures all the time in reports and we and we go, well, OK, cool. But, you know, what actually happened with that money and did we actually make a difference? And, you know, I think sometimes there's a part of us that wants to say, 
there's a there's a cynical aspect of us that goes it's all about marketing and you know putting a band-aid on a uh, a giant wound that is is but it's a step in the right direction how can but the question then becomes how do we coalesce the the attention and focus on sports and especially football to bring us into say to really solving the issues of income inequality and racism and and things of that nature that really uh have need a, a collective focus upon it and you know i'm not sure what the answer is but i think there 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 is an untapped opportunity there i think for humans to use the collective focus towards sports and things that could be the drivers to serve as a vehicle for the next evolution where we're going and solving some of our human-based problems right now. Truthfully, and as you say it that way, Mark, thank you. I, I actually want to go back and now transcribe this and write that down because this is important. But I think that that has to be key truly for sports to survive another hundred years you know when we you, you look at sci-fi movies and and images you don't see an awful lot of sports teams lined up in those movies they they don't focus on, on are they going to be there or not most likely yes that's okay that no problem there but what if sunday morning was hey folks today the philadelphia eagles representing the greater philadelphia food bank you're going to take on the Kansas City Chiefs, recognizing um, the Missouri uh, homeless population. We've got to remind Elzia that Casey is actually in Missouri, but uh, they, but like they're battling it out on behalf of or and yeah, you know maybe the uh, celebrity family feud. That's what they're playing for. There's yeah. <laughs> And today we're playing for these guys. And if we win, we're giving these guys a million dollars, right? It, these teams have enough money. You know, they don't need or, or we're going to give, you know, we're going to give the homeless teens a thousand jerseys this week if we win. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's an opportunity there, whatever it is, whether it's that sort of play for a charity kind of thing or, or, or something else. And I think it's also, but there is some good being done. But I mean, you know, like it, look at, um, Sure. One of the things that we can look at is that sports has been a uh, uh, sports and the entertainment industry in general has, has, is something that we focus upon. And when we see the break, you know, we see the the elevation of people's standards of living, when we see minorities, yeah. uh, you know, blacks and whites coming together in friendship on the yep. field and off the field, you know, that that serves a purpose to break down the fact that if you live in your in a neighborhood where your friends are only of the same type and look and think like you, you can see examples of where there's something to aspire to. So there are aspects of sports that serve a, a sort of an example purpose for us that we can also take from it. Yeah, I mean, what the classic one, of course, is the Brian Piccolo story, right? Yeah, yeah. With Gail Sayers. I mean, that was back in the day when, you know, these guys were roommates and some people didn't even like that. They were on the same team, but that team atmosphere brought them together. Uh, you know, another uh, oftentimes a lot of people have uh, challenges with with uh, with the NFL or sports in general, and, and it's at, at least football and basketball because it's largely African American, definitely football, and 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 uh, you know people have this derogatory and disparaging statements about you know stay in your place and you know you know. Like somebody told one of the basketball players, just dribble the 
I think it was LeBron James dribble the ball and shut up. And then you have the whole thing about Colin Kaepernick. Um, mm-hmm. And I just I just heard a story on NPR, and I'm gonna have to go get the book. Uh, some of some of the old time Nuggets fans may remember Chris Jackson out of LSU who became Muslim. His name is Abdul Rauf Mahmoud Abdul Rauf, who back in '90s sat down for the national anthem, and they blackballed him out of the league. Um, uh, and 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 so you know. It's it's it. I'm I'm putting on my black hat now. It's ironic that um, when when these opportunities happen for, and most of these players who come in these leagues are from lower income, so-called bad neighborhoods, and they get an opportunity to not only help their family but provide others with jobs. And so there, there's always this moving scale, this spiral that and and people like it and sometimes they don't. So, I mean, that's a whole nother aspect that has to be looked at in a country that, that treats race as a separate kind of thing. Yeah, you know, one, one thing you brought up is, and it's sort of interesting, is it's back to the fact that we like our rituals and, and the ritual aspect comes from, you know, a more traditional mindset that sometimes people, you know, evolve out of. Yes. And that we all we have one major ritual at our sporting events that especially in the United States, we stand for the national anthem before every game, no matter which sport it is. And that's something that has sort of it has a mixed feeling about it. One, it, one it's a ritual, but the other it's a ritual tied around our sense of nationalism in this particular country. And if you have a mindset that it's, you know, America, love it or leave it, you know, don't do anything to um, to tread on the perfection of this country as represented by this national anthem and us looking at the flag while this music plays. Mm-hmm. And if anybody uses that as a, as a means of trying to gather attention, it's attacking sort of a base instinct that's in so many people of this love of country. Now, most people evolve out of that and they get to a degree to represent and, and you can see it from an outside standpoint where it's like, yeah, I see how that's served us, but it's not like, it's not like you know, the the, the such the you know the, the word of God is represented in that process, and um, when they do that, you know they can say, well, we can protest about that and use that as a vehicle for getting attention. But what they don't recognize is people whose consciousness is at that level of nationalism and sees and places so much importance on that, it's going to bounce up against that. But on the on the greater thing is that 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 bouncing up is like anything; it sort of hits and and changes each other and swirls out into something mm-hmm. new, mm-hmm. a newness, you know, and I think, you know, I, I'll, I'll, uh, I confess I have, I, I got, I'm an avalanche season holder with my sons and we go to games and, and they play the national anthem before the avalanche game and I'll stand and I, and I, I like that ritual. I really do. Mm-hmm. But, if, but one thing I've noticed in the, in the games here <laughs> is that when they sing the national anthem and they come, you know, and the, that line where it comes to, and our flag was still there, it's interesting to see that there are so many people in that audience who have to to really elevate their voices on that line. Yeah. And and I, and what that represents for me is there's probably some of them who just enjoy raising their voices, but there's others who I know that that line has a greater meaning for them in terms of this holding on to American nationalism and exceptionalism as as something that's important uh, for us to to see Americans as better than because our flag was still there. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, and I love America. I'm not, you know, I'm don't, nobody get me wrong. Yeah. This thing. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. that mindset that it's, I love America, but I also love the world. I can love Americans, but I can also love other people. I can see the oneness of the entire planet and still love America. Yet some people have that different. They have a hard time making that. I love America, but and it's in in technical terms that it's an ethnocentric as opposed to a world centric viewpoint. And but that's but we're moving towards world centric and understanding that we're all one. It's not just Americans are all one or just Coloradans are all one or Denverites are all one. We're all one. And that's more than just a, a concept, you know, an intellectual concept. It's a reality. And so this whole sports model and and all of this swirling around to push us to that understanding in some level and and but we it's not to divide us it's ultimately to unite us and uh somehow and that, you know that would be a great show to have on that whole because it's african-american history month this month for those who just figured that one out and there will be a lot of debate in the African-American community about patriotism and what it has done for the black community who have given, I mean, if you look at World War One and Two, you had lots of blacks. I mean, I just saw a story on the Isaac Woodard story of a guy down in South Carolina just came back three years in World War Two, and the police officers blind him for life. He was 27 years old. He only trying to go to the bathroom. So, so you, that, that spectrum again we got that spectrum that we have to examine to really understand this thing because the nationalism whether it's on the you know on on the white side the black side the Asian, it causes blindness mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then and then if you make that a ritualistic blindness it kind of hampers your ability to see beyond it even though you know it's no longer serving in the way it used to and so you know there's so many things that can be unpacked with sports, just looking at all of the rituals, as you said, which was a great way to start it, Mark, of all the rituals, you know, the prayers before the game, the prayers after the game, the the hoopla in the locker room after you win. I mean, there's so much there to keep that metaphor for life, really dissect that to give us some vision for the future. Folks, if you wonder what you're watching here, by the way, this is ministers talking shit on New Thought Media. Or, or guys talking sports. Or, or guys talking sports. It happens every every Friday morning. But, uh, but and like what you just woke me up to is something there, Mark, that I have never personally justified in my own mind. And that is that tie between the patriotism and the nationalism and as I was hearing you share, I kept going, yeah, if you're white. Oh. Yeah, if you're white. And throughout this conversation, I've actually looked at, okay, so is our sports uh, of a new form of indentured servitude? Well, we're going to pay you a lot of money. Yeah, we're going to make you look like a celebrity. But ultimately, it's still all the white guys at the top taking in the big cash and laying down the rules. Do we are we allowed to protest? Yes. And is it really a deep, deep seated fear in people that make them raise their voice at that line? That they're afraid the flag won't be there. They're afraid that the nation is being taken over by, you know, all right, the Muslims or whatever. Um, or is it really a fear based thing? And then we we try to we don't know what to do with that. 
So it gets channeled into this false sense of patriotism rather than uh, a sense of patriotism moving us towards that sense of oneness. Yeah, you know, we can make a case that there's this sort of like uh, hierarchy of, of the uh, the rich and powerful, the 1% who's, you know, creating this environment as a, ma a mechanism for making more money, et cetera. Uh, but we could take that to every industry if we wanted mm -hmm. to, you know, and, you know, music, uh, entertainment in general, et cetera. Um, however, the bigger message for me is that we all come into this with our own stuff and our own level of development. And, and we're approaching it from our own lens. And so it's like um, there was something I did recently on, on some program where I was talking about the world's a hologram, but we're looking at it from a different perspective all the time. And and so we bring our own individual perspectives to look at sports. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from us, we're looking at it from sort of a spiritual angle right now. But, you know, these rich people are looking at it from a financial angle that you got the the sports player who's looking at it as a means of maybe getting out of, of poverty and, and to bringing it into wealth and supporting their family and causes that are greater for them. Uh, you know, we've got this ritual aspect that we spent a little time talking about today. And now we bring to that a desire for ritual, a desire for, uh, you know, the shared experience of, of loss or or winning that comes in, in the collective. There are so many aspects to that. And what all this points at is that within this one thing of football or anything we point at, we can come at it from different angles and see the unity to see the, you know, the, the, the greatness of how there's everything is tied together. Everything is tied together. And it, it sort of teaches oneness in a way that we're looking at it with our own particular lens and angle, but and others are looking at it at theirs. But ultimately we see that all these things come together in some degree of connectedness. The enjoyment that I have in a crowd of watching a hockey game and hearing guys who elevate their voices on one line of the national anthem is just one way of looking at it. You know, there's many, many other perspectives as well. And all those perspectives come together in a, in a degree of uh, us spiritual beings moving through this human experience and giving and, and allowing spirit to have the unique experiences that we're having for our unique perspective of looking at this oneness thing. Hence, um, hence the hence the 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 the, the or a reason to embrace the spiral of life because if I go around the spiral I will get all of those perspectives yeah and hopefully when I get back to point zero I have a better perspective of the whole than I did when I took that journey yeah yeah I see one of our commenters is, is pointing out that the national anthems are used in you know the Olympics and things and that's so we're also uh it's not just a USA tradition. We all love. Yeah. And and so using the Olympics, the Olympics is another one. We come together every four years for the whole world to focus on something. And, you know, it's it's a, a you know, the NFL is probably a, a microcosm of what's expressed in the macrocosm of the Olympics. Every <laughs> all right. So the NFL is going to solve homelessness. Uh, the NHL is going to solve gun violence. Uh, baseball is going to take on sexual abuse and the Olympics is going to take on climate change. <laughs> Whether the owners move in that direction or not, all of this will ultimately be solved. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe not during our lifetime, but. <laughs> oh, yes. Exactly. And then we can all sit back and have a Coke or a Budweiser at halftime. But one thing we can say, if we if we take take all of this conversation and put it in a real positive stint, we can definitely use it as a rallying point to move beyond any stigma, any 
prejudice, any issues, just like we rally around the team, it gives us the perfect example to rally around things that may have a more impactful and long-lasting effect in our lives and the lives of others. Yeah. Well, that sounds like that was final thoughts by Rep Z for the day. <laughs> and we're about running out of time, so why don't we continue that tradition? Rep Mark, final thoughts for the day. No, I just want to say ditto to what LZ has said. <laughs> All right, you say ditto and my Mel Brooks... Anybody that knows the line, you'll get it. Uh, if not, I'll tell you later. So uh, for me, folks, I, I think there's one big, huge theme that I've heard here, heard here this morning, and that is that sense of community, that sense of connectedness. And whether it's football, basketball, baseball, car racing, whatever it might be, whether it's gardening, whether it, it's walking, whatever it is, celebrate that sense of community and let that be something that empowers you to make some change in the world mm -hmm. and not just nickels, dimes and quarters, but some real change. Yeah. All right. What's going on this weekend, Z? Where are you going to be? Um, well, I'm going to be at CSL Denver on Sunday. Uh, and, uh, looking at the unseen mysteries of the world and how they inspire us to be, all sorts of things. And then I might watch some pre-football stuff. <laughs> <laughs> There's no football this weekend. Wait a minute. I, this is the weekend off, isn't it? Yeah, but, but they'll, they'll, they'll start leading up. Well, and also the Grammys. The Grammys are on Sunday, so I'll watch that. That's the other, We could go and dissect that, that industry as well and do the same thing. There we go. Folks, I'll be at the Center for Conscious Living, uh, speaking virtually at 8 a.m. Eastern time, uh, sorry, Mountain Time, it's 10 a.m. Eastern Time, they're out of Ohio. If you'd like more information, let us know. Uh, and also hanging out with CSL Denver on Sunday as well, so I'll be in the room hanging out. Rev Mark, how about you? Any good plans for the weekend? Now my wife and I are going to spend some time together and enjoy her uh, recent retirement. There you go. Mm -hmm. That's the way to make sure that you can take next Sunday off to watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> happy spouse, happy house is the way I hear it. So, uh, all right, folks, this is New Thought Today. And that was Ministers Talking Shit for Friday, February 3rd. If you have a story you'd like us to cover or a comment you'd like to make offline, please send us an email, ministertalk at ntmedia.org. We'd be happy uh, to engage you with the conversation, maybe even invite you onto the program. Or if you happen to know somebody you'd like to see on the program, let us know that as well. Full day of programming here on New Thought Media Network, so stay tuned all the way up to this evening. The good news at 5 and uh, the fireside chat at 6. During the day, we have the Joy, the Joy Show at 1 p.m. And before that, Practicing Infinite Possibilities at 10 our normal morning lineup is here. Sekou Rights starts in just a few moments. Morning prayers at 8.15 in the morning sip at 8.30. We're out of here for now. Until next time, we wish you peace and blessings. And thank you for being with us. Take care now. Peace. And thanks for listening to this week's episode of Ministers Talking We'll be back again next week with more commentary on current affairs, world events, and any other sh** our ministers want to talk about. And if you found value here, please share our sh** with your friends. Until next time, peace and blessings.